Welcome to our Wednesday regular, Stuart Allcroft, Asian, Mon- Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant. Good morning, Stuart, on this minus good. 1% day. Yeah, good morning, Stephen, minus 1%. <laughs> well, you get times 100% from my welcome. Yeah. Um, not so regular, but very welcome, as it's always good to get different perspectives, is Isaac Poole, Global Chief Investment Officer at Oriana Financial. Good morning, Isaac. Morning, Stephen. Thanks for having me. You know, it's, I'm delighted to have you both. So the data out today for the U.S. showed U.S. retail sales surging and property confidence declining. However, the U.S. is kind of in a holding pattern for the next two weeks. How do you think that's going to evolve, Isaac? I think I think we're we're just uh, in, at a point where there's no major data coming out over the next few weeks, um, and and that will probably just keep markets fairly fairly. Uh, steady just trying to gauge what the fed's going to do over the next few months and we've got the minutes tonight um, and i just don't think that's going to offer a whole lot of news to the markets yeah. we, we know the fed would like the hike but the data's not there to, to force them so i think you're right a ho- holding pattern in equities and bonds for for a few weeks here uh, what do you think Stuart? well I, I think there's more into this than um, is perhaps evident by the headlines um, U.S. unemployment rates are getting lower and employment remains high. So this is uh, probably fueling an increase in inflation. Uh, certainly the inflation numbers have started to go up a bit. And that is what the uh, Fed is looking at. I think it's very likely that in September um, they will take another look and then say, well, we can afford to put another 25 basis points on the, on the rate. And, I, I, and that looks to me to be the sort of the way things are going at the moment. Remember that um, high employment, therefore low unemployment, um, is not always regarded as the most um, desirable uh, outcome, although clearly people who are in work and not out of work will be happy. Yeah, it's a very difficult one to balance, isn't it? But. It um, is. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the general consensus at the moment from economists is that actually the rate might stay the same, but stay at this high rate for longer than expected. Um, yes, yeah. I, I'd agree with that. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's likely that there will be any cuts at all in U.S. Fed rates, not until maybe the middle of next year, um, maybe not until the second half of next year. Uh, certainly the U.S. Fed does not want to give signals that would suggest that it's taking its foot off the gas. It wants to keep it very much under control, and uh, the best way of control has always been uh, the interest rate policy. And Isaac, are you aligned with the timeline that Stuart just mentioned there? Uh, I mean, I, mean I, I think that we, we probably won't see rate cuts until the middle of next year, but I, but I also... I, I don't think we'll see rate hikes from from here on in. Um, you know, I, I take the point that year over year inflation's picked up a little bit, but we kind of look at broad disinflation goods. Um, I, I'd agree that the unemployment rate's low, but when you look at in, initial jobless claims, they're trending higher. And, and I think there's actually a lot of weakness coming through in the economy when you look forward versus backward looking. So, yeah, whether there's another rate hike or not, um, I'd very much agree that. There's there's no rush from the Fed to cut, uh, and we're probably looking out to middle of next year before that really happens. 
Yeah, I think 89% of economists at the moment are saying the rate will be held by the Fed. Having said that, economists can be wrong. Uh, an example of a big surprise was the news yesterday from um, China of the unexpected rate cut of 0.15%, I think it was. And there was a plethora of disappointing news from the mainland. But 0.15% doesn't sound very much. Will that have much of an impact, Stuart? Uh, it won't have much of an impact, no, but it's the p- principle of having rate cuts that is going to have more of an impact. The, the amount is not important. So, so um, do you think this might be the first of a series of more rate it's cuts? Potentially the first of a series. Um, I think uh, the, the problem in the mainland is that uh, there's a whole host of not very good economic news, um, and it's going to get worse, not better, together with all the problems that are going on about the property companies and the, uh, and, and the size of debt. Um, China is, is, is in, a, in a bit of a bind at the moment, and um, it's got to do something a bit more than just cut by 15 basis points. Would you agree with that, Isaac? I think calling it a bind is a is a good way of putting it. Uh, yeah, the, I don't think the rate cut yesterday was really that much of a surprise. The, the data have been weak. Growth has been at risk of not achieving the 5% target. And if the, the PBOC didn't do something yesterday, then what would they be waiting for, really? Um, so, so that cut made a lot of sense. But there needs to be more. Um, but I think the PBOC and other authorities will be drip-feeding this out a little bit. And... and Really, the, the real reason for that is um, they want to keep their growth and their economy chugging along, but there's the risk that there's a global recession or a downturn in the US, and they don't want to fire all of their bullets right now. So there has got to be more stimulus, but I don't think we should expect an overwhelming amount in the near term. It's probably going to be pushed out through the rest of this year. Yeah. One you... of the things you've got to bear in mind, though, is that China has not got very much experience of these circumstances. It's spent the last 15, 20 years enjoying strong economic growth, high employment um, and urbanization and, and a very positive um, overall um, economy. And now we're seeing the reverse of these things beginning to occur and, and occurring quite rapidly. And, there, and the experience of the PBOC, the experience of government in this is almost nil. So they'll be playing around a little bit um, until they get it right. Yeah, I think as my mum would say, they've got themselves into a bit of a pickle. Yep. Anyway, talking about pickles, um, 11.5 million graduates are about to enter the job market on the mainland. And yesterday, the Statistics Bureau announced they are suspending the publication of youth unemployment figures. It's not looking good for graduates in the mainland. Would you agree, Stuart? Not at all. Um, the the uh, Statistics Bureau uh, deciding not to produce a, a number for the youth unemployment makes that look worse. The, the, if it did produce a number, in any event, the number was around 20, uh, 20 to 21% of the uh, 16 to 24-year age group uh, who are unemployed. And when you've got, um, as you said, the 11 million graduates coming to the market, that figure can only get worse. Um, so clearly the Statistics Bureau doesn't like to issue bad numbers, but... Uh, 
Um, and, and this will be seen to be very negative. I think that many people, as outside observers, would take the view that they're trying to hide something, which they yeah. probably are. There was a big backlash on social media yesterday after yeah. they made that announcement. And, and, and bear in mind one other thing. Um, you know, the, this age group is is well known for causing trouble. And um, if you have very high levels of unemployment for this age group, the concerns will be that they will cause trouble within the mainland. And, uh, of course, that's not very good, and it's not what anybody would be looking for. But it is the fact that if they can't get a job, they're going to, they're going to start complaining. Yeah. As another phrase from my mother, the devil will make work for idle hands to do. Um, yeah. Isaac, what do you have to add? I mean, yes, it's it's definitely a negative move in the sense that um, it will make it harder to get a gauge on the economy, and it's uh, it's not a great position for, uh, as as was mentioned, as Stuart mentioned, all of those graduates coming into the market now. It it probably is a, a bit of a an issue for um for the social cohesion over over there. Um, that that said, if if there is a genuine reason for improving that data and they can turn that around quickly and, and get it out there, then it may be beneficial if we get a, a clearer view on what's really going on. Yeah, it's, trying to, it's kind of brought more attention to it by not publishing the figures, I think, exactly. than had they published. Mm. Anyway, let's <clears throat> excuse me. now bring the two economic powers together and talk about the decoupling or de-risking between China and the US. But it's been written that it's not actually having very much impact and most of the trade is now going via other countries. How much of an impact do you think it's having on both economies, Isaac? I, I mean, this decoupling or de-risking or whatever you really want to call it has is, is been going on for, for some time. I know it's, it's gathered pace and, and gained a lot of attention over the last few weeks with the announcements out of the US. But, but the, the share of trade, if you like, and, and the, uh, the flow of capital is, has been declining as, as a direct conduit between the two countries for, for some time now. Um, at, at the margin, it, it probably is, a, is an issue for, uh, for US competitiveness. Uh, you know, I, I think preventing um, competition between two large countries uh, from an economic sense is, is typically not great for either of them from a productivity perspective, from a global trade perspective. That said, there, there are good reasons for the US to protect part of the national interest um, overall, I think the announcements recently will have some marginal impact, but it's probably not the biggest story that we'll see this year. Yeah, as you can say, there's logic from both sides in terms of what they're doing, although the impact isn't particularly positive. Stuart? Yes, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't uh, read too much into the reports that are being um, issued. I think China and the U.S. continue to trade pretty actively, yeah. directly with each other. I think there's, um, there's, a, there's a willingness on both sides to continue the trade. And although they are very selective, the U.S., as we know, has uh, stopped China buying certain goods and China has stopped exporting certain goods. Um, that, but for the majority of the trading activity that goes on, and it goes on very directly between both sides, and both want to do that. Um, what goes on, on on the side with other countries is is very much 
Oh, I think we're losing you, um, Stuart. There seems to be something wrong with the line. But let's just Mm. quickly move on to the last question, which I think you've got five five seconds each on. So there's data from Japan yesterday. Overall, could that be seen as any cause of optimism, Stuart? Yes, Japan is going through a very strong recovery process, and uh, I think we should continue to assume that that will um, last for the rest of this year and possibly well into next year. Isaac, five seconds from you. I think a lot of it was a currency impact, uh, and and we could see some of this reverse over the next 12 months. Uh, I'm not as optimistic. Okay, well, thanks both for your insights. Been a pleasure chatting with um, Stuart Tallcraft, Asian Fund Management Industry Consultant, and Isaac Paul, Global Chief Investment Officer at Oriana Financial.